0: Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget.
1: Both of our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group Wags of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know
0: firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread
1: education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. And today we would like to sort of do a bit of an episode that will touch base with you guys around some of the things that are happening in our personal lives. We're going to take a quick break from our typical podcast podcast. to talk about legs of SEI and Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. So welcome, and we are so happy that you are spending this time with us today.
1: Yes, everybody probably knows that September is International Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month, so we wanted to discuss just the current situation, what our thoughts are on spinal cord injuries, and kind of where we're focusing on for the month And just kind of the outlook of where we're putting our energy lately around spinal cord injuries, um, which mostly has to do with advocacy. So this is going to be an inspiring episode. We're going to talk about our personal stories. But before we get into that, we wanted to, of course, thank our amazing sponsors. Without them, we would not be able to do this podcast. Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Everybody who listens religiously will know this woman is... Our savior, she has been our official advocate for over 3 years now. She runs a really successful law firm called Wishart Brain and Spine Law. They work internationally. They help clients from all walks of life. They help caregivers from all walks of life to sort out things like insurance paperwork, benefits, If you need an advocate to go after a case manager, if you need a letter, if you need referrals in your area or any resources, they can connect you that way. But most importantly, she is a huge proponent of the WEGS of SCI community, and she really, really believes in us. You can find us on her website, brainandspinelaw.com. And if you want more information of how we work with Robin and her team, and what we do for each other, and how she can help you, you can go to our website, yxofsci.com slash legal resources. You can find the legal legal resources tab on our homepage, and you can just click on that, and it'll explain what is happening there. also wanted to send a shout-out to the amazing Annalisa and John. They are our other sponsors to this podcast, and they have a website called whirlinginparadise.com. Basically, what they do is they send adapted equipment to anybody in North America. They are VA approved and they sell all the amazing brands. So anything you can think of when it comes to medical equipment or adapted equipment, they have the inside scoop on. So head over to their website, rollinginparadise.com. And make sure that you mention that the Wags of SCI sent you because we have a really good relationship with Annalisa. She is a quad wife. So we always love to support quad wives and Wags of SCI in business. So make sure that you head on over there and say hello. And next time you need a new piece of equipment or you want some insight as to the latest equipment coming down the pipeline, make sure you contact Annalisa and John. Absolutely.
0: So as stated earlier, uh, Brooke and I want to take a quick pause on our uh, relationship podcast that we've been doing about uh, different types of relationships to say that even though... Actually, no, this is what I was saying to you this morning. Even though that we don't post um, a whole heap about our personal lives with our partners and and our relationships and the things that we... Do and go go through with our partners um, as caregivers and wives and girlfriends who happen to be always around, <laughs> especially when um, their hired care is not around or falls short or falls through, and we don't have a whole heap of we don't have any support from the government. Actually, um, that just because we don't post about it doesn't mean that we're not fighting the good fight and going through our own personal. Um, struggles. So we sort of wanted to touch base with you guys, reach out and let you know that we're still here and share some of our stories from the past little while. So why don't you start? What is happening in your guys' life with you and Evan? What are some things that you guys are undertaking
1: right now? So um, just finished up the summer. We're super busy. Um everyone knows that we have been working to try and get our kitchen renovated for the past seven years. So in Canada, if you get injured at work, you are entitled to be able to get into your home and your kitchen and your bathroom independently. And my husband can't get into any of those things independently. And so we've been fighting with insurance for the past seven years to try and give him access to not only his kitchen, but to have him to be able to leave his house independently in and out of his house independently. And it's become a huge issue. And, you know, it's one of those things that I'm kind of like a go with the flow person. Like I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is the way that it is. We're going to have to have to adapt to it while we're fighting the good fight and kind of, you know, embrace what we do have, but it still gets so frustrating because, I mean this is kind of like a life-changing thing. Once he's able to leave his house independently and get in and out independently, not only for his, you know, his work or his friendships or like doing errands or, you know, l- he's learning how to drive right now so going to his own driving appointments. This is like really really huge for his his just sense of independence and his ability to do things on his own and you know, he said to me the other day he was like, "Oh, you know, this is going to be so crazy for me to be able to like Get out of my house. And it's something that, you know, our able bodied friends and family. You know, these are things that you really, really take advantage of. The fact that you can get out of bed by yourself and the fact that you can open your back door and walk out of the door and go to the corner store by yourself. Like these are the luxuries that my husband does not have. He can do these things, but he needs help. And if he's by himself, it's a fire hazard, right? He can't leave the house by himself. And so that's kind of what we're working on right now. We're kind of lobbying our insurance company. We've gone through three different appeals because you know if if you've been a long time listener to the podcast you know that we asked for this to be done years and years ago and the insurance company actually came back and said well because you have a wife there doing mm-hmm. the cooking you don't need to have access to your kitchen and so it was highly discriminatory and they put us in a horrible situation and so we had to work the steps of filing the appeal and going through the appeal and getting OT notes and getting doctor's notes. And that took months and months and months. And then they ignored us for three years. And it's just been a battle because as all of our listeners know that deal with insurance, they will always say no, and they will always ignore you. And this is part of the reason why we're doing this episode today is because we really want to focus on the importance of advocating for yourself right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what's happening now. We're also in kind of the place where if we do get this approved is we're so close. We're like weeks away of getting an answer as to if we can actually do this so my husband can access his home and his kitchen. Um, where are we going to stay? They don't provide us with any sort of accessible housing that we can move into during the few months that it's going to take for the renovation. So we kind of have to be prepared. So I've just been looking into that and not really finding much You know how Vancouver is? There's really not available. There's nothing available even without accessibility (laughs) adaptations. So we're just kind of throwing this (laughs) up in the air and saying, you know, universe, please help us with whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen, I guess. But um, yeah, it's that's kind of an update as to where we're at as far as access and accessibility and what we're working on. And, you know, it's just you can never give up. Isn't that the truth? So Brooke, you've
0: raised a a few good points here. So yes, we are amid a housing crisis here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. Um, And in itself, there is roughly, I would say close to 5000 people living with a disability here in British Columbia that are looking for accessible housing that do not have it. So that is the current state of British Columbia, the province that we live in.
1: Yeah. Um, And you guys and Dan was on CTV or CBC the other day, correct? Yeah, exactly.
0: Discussing just this and how so fortunate we are that we were able to find an accessible rental Um, last year. We've been in it for a year now. And not only is it accessible, we live in a really nice place accessible area so it's not even the unit itself it's the area itself and that was a god sent to us last year um like really we're just so fortunate so that was sort of the the gist of the article is the housing crisis and how so fortunate that we are that we were able to get into this. And I mean, not to mention, we had waited for, what, six years yeah. to find uh, an accessible unit. So Dan was coming out of rehab. We had sold our townhouse. We had nowhere to go. Um, living in a one bedroom unit that was not accessible, but was feasible, which at that time served a great, great purpose in our lives. Um, and, and allowed us to use things like the shower buddy yeah. to, to get into the bathtub to do what he needed to do. But, um, so that is the first thing that I want to say about that. Um, secondly, when was the last time that Evan, when was awesome, Evan cooked a meal for himself?
1: Uh, that would be before he was injured. So over almost nine years ago. Yeah. So that's a pretty big deal
0: there in itself. The government doesn't realize that just because you have a disability, you know, doesn't mean that you need to start living off of McDonald's every single day. And I feel like that a lot of people with disabilities are pushed to that where their nutrition suffers greatly and their health suffers greatly if they don't have a wife or a girlfriend or a caregiver around to help them live their best life or even a decent quality of life, right?
1: Well, and think about it this way the first time that we asked for um, t- some adaptations for him to be able to access his kitchen, and they denied us because I was the cook. Right. They also gave an alternate, they're like, hey, what about this? So basically, their idea was to put a small table on the outside of the kitchen like not even inside the kitchen on the outside yeah. of the kitchen with a microwave and a hot plate.
0: Yeah. It was like that's pretty standard to be honest. Like that is pretty standard the hot plate thing. I feel when you ask anybody in the SEI community even now um through not even WCB not even through through insurance that that's something that they offer and and they'll sort of, you know, the insurance companies and the government plays it off as like this is still accessible so having a hot plate on a table somewhere is actually accessible for you because a lot of people with wheelchairs need to go underneath a table to even access their stovetop which is yeah. like sad right because it's like why can't we have the same standard of living that an able-bodied person does or somebody who has the rights to have a standard way of living well exactly of life, again
1: and I was just going to say, it's funny that you say that comment because that's exactly what the appeal officer said when we appealed it. She basically wrote in the appeal, there is no reason why this man should be denied access to his own kitchen in every way that an able-bodied person would have access to their kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like a basic human right thing. Like this is something that – when something gets taken away from you like this, and you do have the p- possibility of being able to get into your kitchen, why would you be denied that? You know, right. it's it's that doesn't make much sense. But their solution was, yeah, hot plate and microwave. And so now you're saying, like, you're talking about how, you know, disabled people, in the, in some situations, they don't have access to proper nutrition because they either can't access their kitchen or they can't make food themselves or they need some help, and so they end up, you know, getting takeout or, or microwavable dishes, which are not nutritious. And you know, I'm a big proponent in the seeds of nutrition. Like, you have to like make sure that you're living a life that is started with a foundation of proper nutrition. And this is like my biggest pet peeve of the SCI community is like, it is so hard to get access to nutritious meals if you can't make food yourself, or you're denied someone to come help you make food, or you can't access your kitchen. It's not fair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other piece to that, even if you do have a caregiver, keep in mind that the caregiver's Um, are not, the hired care provided um, by the government are not there to make you meals either unless you go through like a Cecil or your own privatized care um, that we were even told that the only thing that care that is provided to you can do is heat something up for you in the microwave. So that means that you're your partner, your wife or girlfriend would still be preparing all of your meals for you. Let's say you're working outside of the home, you have a full time job, you are still required because you are here to prepare all the meals and have it set up that the caregiver, when they do come in to help your quadriplegic partner, that all they have to do is throw it in the microwave.
1: Yeah. It's, so. it's, it's fucked up. Excuse my French. It's fucked up. It's, it's something that needs to be talked about because these are the things that everybody needs to understand because at one point you will need a caregiver. Even if you yeah. are able-bodied, you will need someone looking after things. So these are the things you need to think about because if you peel back the layers and think about these things early enough, then yeah. change can come, right? Like for instance, Elena, we're going for dinner tonight. Yeah. And with with our friend whose whose birthday is is happening today and my husband can't access his kitchen, he can't access the microwave or anything. So I have to make his dinner early. Yeah. Leave it out, make sure it's all ready to go and then he's having someone come over like you know, it just works out where it's like a f- you know, football a friend, yeah. They're watching football. But still it's like it has to be all ready to go because he can't access his own kitchen to be able to yeah. prepare something for himself and his friend like it's just it's almost and this is the thing that my my husband hates so much it's the infantilization aspect yeah. like he's like yeah. I'm a grown man like I should be able to go in and make my own food instead of waiting for my wife like are we are we in the 1950s right that's what well, it seems it's- like and especially with your guys'
0: layout like your place is like your kitchen and your your living space is not a whole heap of space like like he can't even fit his wheelchair into no. the kitchen right now no. right no. and that's the biggest thing it's not even like he doesn't have the necessarily like it's not like he doesn't have the drive to go cook for himself because he would love to but he can't even fit into his own kitchen yeah because of the way yeah. it's set up right now so
1: oh uh, I just need to Waiting. take a deep breath. I know. Well, it's like we get we get started on this and it's just like, oh, it's just so, it's hard not to get frustrated. I mean, I think you and I have gotten to a place where we're way better than we used to. Like I remember we would talk about this kind of stuff a few years ago and we'd get so heated and like our blood pressure would rise. We get headaches. Now it's like we can talk about it. And it's just, it is what it is. This is like the kind of thing that happens. You still have to like take your deep breaths and like regulate yourself. And, but it's still so, it's just like, wow. Like sometimes I like look at, like I step outside of myself and I'm like, I can't believe we're still talking about this. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Like, I can't believe like this, you know, I can't believe that people with disabilities in our country still have to go without being able to access their own kitchen, bathroom and, and door. Like, it's just to get in and out. Like, it's just, it's wild. Like, and and here's the thing that really, really, that I think we can make a huge difference in is by talking about this stuff. Um, like, friends and family, you know, even close friends and family, they still don't understand all the nuances of this. They still don't understand no, they how don't. all of this adds up. And no, how they it's don't. like, whoa, like this is the kind of stuff that we live with. And it's important to talk about it because it's like, we're not complaining. We're just facing reality and showing that like, you know, not only do we need to plan everything down to a T in order to to do certain things, but some of us can't even leave our house. Well, <laughs> like it, this is happening. <laughs> it's
0: funny you say this. So last week was specifically, I had like a bit of like... I had a lot of opportunity to have conversations about like spinal cord injury, um, in v- various ways with various people that came up and like. That's interesting. Mm hmm. So last week I've, I've taken on a new hobby. Friends, friends and family listening, I've taken on a new hobby since the death of. Charles, Frank, and my mom in the spring. Um, I don't know. I don't really even know if I've talked about this on our podcast. But yes, so everybody died last spring. Um, Charles was our 14-year-old Pomeranian. And my mom was 68 years old she was diagnosed with throat cancer and two weeks later she passed away and then a week later our four-year-old French bulldog passed away as well so it was just a shit storm and I feel like I'm just just now as in like maybe yesterday or today (laughs) finally feeling like my feet are a little bit on the ground um but so in regards to that, I've taken on a new hobby that sort of fell into our laps. Brooke and I were walking back to her vehicle uh, after having like a little work lunch at a coffee shop nearby, and so the the place that we went to was a pottery studio that was brand new still accepting members so this is where you and I did two months of classes and then I've continued on so now that I've become a member of this pottery studio I've I've had a lot of opportunity to get to know some of the other people that are just happen to be working in the studio at the same time that I am and um so people have been asking questions about oh what do you do and and um I guess I mentioned that I wanted to create um some lighter dishware because Um, my partner is a quadriplegic. So they, so I learned a great method basically of using toilet paper in the clay until it disappears. And it ends up being really paper light when you fire it and the, and the paper burns away in the kiln. So it's like paper thin, really light. So that was really cool. So then that opened up a conversation to, I think there was probably six people, maybe five, five people, maybe four or five people um, in this massive warehouse with me. And Before I knew it, I was like on this tangent. I want to say about how so unfair it is that caregivers have zero rights and the people that get injured have zero support and care and are basically reliant on their families to take care of them after they undergo a spinal cord injury. And one of the women that I was talking to, she piped up and she said, oh, um, half of my body is paralyzed and she's there making the most beautiful art. And she said she had a stroke when she was a young kid, I think maybe like early teens. And, um, and she, she said, you know, I know the story way too well. And just adjusting now she's like in her fifties, adjusting her entire life to what it was like to have half her body paralyzed. She's, she's still walking, but she does, she has very limited use of her second her i think it's her left side of her body so her left hand and she's got a bit of a limp when she's walking and she, she i you know it, it sort of opened opened up this space for conversation mm-hmm. and then another person that would happen to be there he was he was um immigrated here and then he started talking about the rights and policies and inequalities with immigration and the lack of support from the government. And then another woman said, well, I was a physiotherapist my entire life. So I actually have familiar, she was familiar with SCI. So, you know, I just want to say that sometimes opportunities present themselves when you don't expect them to and how the lives of other people, like when you start to talk about SCI And just like sharing your truth and your struggles, how so connected you can become with other people that you would never think to become connected with. So anyway, so that opened up a really great space. And um, I felt, I feel a lot of frustration this weekend specifically brought a lot of frustration in in our lives um, with some of the things that we're going through with Dan's equipment, sort of falling apart and the lack of insurance coverage and whatnot.
1: But I guess and I- and just to interrupt there like you and I we talk pretty much every day and even I don't hear about this stuff until like a few days later you know yeah, what I mean cuz yeah. you're just running around like trying to get you know Well, trying to create a sense of
0: balance between like the biggest thing that I noticed through the pandemic specifically was that I was giving myself away between my mom and Dan and being locked in through a pandemic and being fearful and just like really losing sight of like my own needs and my own health and wellness and, and what I needed to do for my mental health as well. So that I think. Which is quite, I want to say from reading on our private group, mental health is a huge part of being a caregiver and the lack thereof and the lack thereof of support for caregivers that you end up like, for example, yesterday, Dan And I woke up, uh, what happened last week? So we have a brand new puppy. He chewed Dan's bed remote twice now. So I have rewired it twice now. So his bed can work. Then yesterday his lift wasn't working and it looks like there's some sort of a diagnostic needs to happen, um, in order for us to see what happened with the lift. We know it's not the battery. We know it's not the remote control. It must be something to do with the engine or whatever. So Um, we had to negotiate basically with our neighbor across the way. Thank God she lives right here to borrow her lift so that Dan can do his shower and bowel program, um, before her schedule of her caregiver and then our schedule this morning. So last night at around nine o'clock, I ended up doing all his care and, you know, the conversation always comes up with, so this is what's happened And then it's like that awkward sort of like silence of like, well, can you just do it? Right. And that is the conversation in our house. And I I specifically, because we've been doing this for, I said, we've been doing this for almost seven years, these surprise, hey, can you just do this? Can you just fill in? Can you just pick up the slack? Can you just fix my remote? Can you just take this? Can you just do that? That I will become very, very, quiet at first and I sort of retract and then I sit and think about it and I think how so fucking unfair that yeah. no matter what our day looks like that there's no preparation for the shitstorm of what is about to happen in our lives And that means it's a Sunday. It's like the one day I just want to relax. I just want to chill. I just want to do my own thing. In fact, I was painting parts of our house. Uh, We just had a sleepover with with two little kiddos, our little, our friend's kids. We have a puppy. I want to go for a walk. I want to take care of myself. And in amongst it all, it's just like, oh, but hey, surprise, we're still having to do this. And you're not going to get paid for it. And you're not even going to be recognized for it. But no matter what, this is probably what the rest of our lives are going to look like. Is But you can just do it, right? And I think that there is a lot. You know, I said to Dan last night, I said, you know, I don't think I can do this another seven years. I don't think that I can just be the backup person for another seven years. Um I'm the, you know, we're the only people when it comes to being with your partner that can take care of all the chores that can do a lot of these things. It's like by that time of night, you just want to sit down and you just want to relax. And it's not his fault. Here's the thing. It's like, we're pushed into these positions. Our partners are pushed push into these positions of, Oh, it's okay. My partner will just do this because you're here. Right and the government knows that and the government knows you love your partner because you're the wife or girlfriend of spinal cord injury that you will pick up the sock and you will do these things but again it's like zero recognition zero pay no matter what like this is the way it is and like just a couple nights ago my partner is having horrible spasms and we've been dealing with trying different mattresses for the past year, I want to say. And, you know, right as we go to bed, he says that he's uncomfortable. So then I transfer him out of bed. And then I switch our mattresses and now I'm sleeping on his mattress and he gets mine and now he's more comfortable, but now I'm dealing with it. So it's like, there's always something in this life that's going on. And like, even though we don't post about this kind of stuff, guys, all the time, it doesn't mean that we don't have a partner with a spinal cord injury. I know a lot of people not a lot, a few people, like three of you, have mentioned like, oh, what are you guys up to? What are what are some of your struggles in your life? Or where are their partners? Or what are they doing? And a lot of the time, Brooke and I, you and I sit back on the sidelines because we're dealing with more legal issues in terms of getting spousal support or care or being able to sort of get paid for the work that you're doing. We do a lot of stuff on in the background. Yeah. And we do a lot of supporting for other people in the background all the time. Each day, every day, all day. Yeah. That by the time it comes to us, it's like we don't really want to post reels and videos of us transferring our partners or showering our partners or what our day actually looks like. Because it's exhausting. Yeah, And I think like I say it in this tone of voice because I'm coming from a place of frustration just from this weekend. I'm like, ah! I feel like I don't know if I need like a month of sleep or like a shot of tequila. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like that space to navigate. I'm like, ah, is this what's going to happen for another seven years of zero recognized pay
1: from the government? Because they know that you'll just do it. Well, let's just imagine for a second that, we live in some sort of ideal utopia utopia where, you know, we can design our life exactly as we need it. We're not really asking for much. I mean, the government is willing to pay nurses and our RNs and care aides to come in and help with the care. It's just they're not available most of the time when we need it, right? Like which is totally. like at nine o'clock at night. They can't just run there. So If they had a pool of money that they would have paid to the caregiver coming if we had scheduled it, right, to Mm -hmm. give to you, even that. And then having maybe someone come in once every week or once every couple of weeks to fix things around the house or like, oh, that would just... Those are the kind of things that would just be so incredibly helpful, and we know from speaking to various MLAs and from understanding the, lo- the 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 laws in our in our country and from understanding the insurance in our country and where where money goes, we know that there's money for this, but it's being spent on things like you know, and this is a whole other episode, but it's a problem even in the states where it's being spent on private jets and nice shoes for all these people. You know, these are your tax dollars. And if every single person was aware of what is actually going on behind the scenes in someone's household that has a serious injury, that they pay taxes to help care for, because every single person able bodied in the world would say, I want to know that I'm going to get looked after when I'm if something happens to me, if I'm disabled. And I will make the argument from speaking to thousands of people over the years that every single able-bodied person actually thinks, well, if I get injured, the government will look after me. They'll give me disability or WorkSafe will look after me. They're on my side. Yeah, no. These people are not on your side. <laughs> they will help you with the bare minimums, but this is why it's so important to open our mouths and talk about real experiences because it's shocking to people that don't know what's actually going on. I right? know, it, al- it always is. Like
0: I had a girlfriend yeah. co- um, come and stay with me last week um, and we were going for a walk and we we're talking, we we're catching up and we've been long time friends since like high school. And uh, somehow we got into the topic of... I think just like basically what was going on recently. And I looked at her and I said, and she kind of gave me this look sort of like, ah, shit, like, how do you do this? And I looked at her and I said, I guess I made the choice to stay. And that's the difference. It's you, there is a choice here. The choice is to leave your partner, go live your life solo, do whatever you want. um, not really care about, like I sometimes I like think about it for a second. I was like, okay, what I'm saying I can't do this for another seven years. What does that look like? Like, does that mean that like we have more care, or does that mean that like I go off on my my own now for the next seven years? And then I'm sort of thinking, I'm like, and then like, what would it, what would any other kind of relationship at this point look like? I can't even imagine that because we're so used to taking care of our guys, right? That it's like I can't even imagine like being like truly independent of like, just like waking up in the morning, making whatever you want for breakfast, going off and do whatever you want all day, going to bed at night uninterrupted, not waking up throughout the night. Um, I, I have no idea what that looks like. Yeah. I, I can't even picture it. So I looked at her and I said, Yeah, I know. I made the choice. I made the choice to stay right. It's kind of like I, we always say, like, people make the choice to have kids or not, but then like get overwhelmed yeah. when their kids yeah. misbehave or it's yeah. just too much. Like, I get it. I I I definitely understand. And I think that there is, should be a, enough space available to say, Hey, man, this sucks right now. Like, Yes, you made the choice to have kids, but it's fair enough to say, I'm kind of annoyed or I'm frustrated or I'm angry or maybe even even parents, women, they don't even have enough support to be caregivers to their own kids. Right. Yeah, there's that's a whole other thing. But I mean, (laughs) ah shit man I don't know it's just it's a lot sometimes and I just want to say that we are we'll get through it but it's always the best thing that you can do and that we can do is have open conversations right have open conversations with the public with our friends with our family with people that we feel safe and and Honest with because it is a daily struggle. There's always something that's going to come up. We always say this that yes, being in a wheelchair is a great, powerful source of mobility and freedom. The wheelchair signifies that. There's no doubt about that. Having a wheelchair is amazing. There are a lot of people in the world who have spinal cord injuries who are stuck to a lawn chair, for example, not a wheelchair. But the SCI life or living with a disability, there will always be something that pops up that's unexpected that will, that will take you by surprise. Your adrenals will rise. Your stress level can get higher. And that's okay too, but acknowledge it. And I think that's kind of where I'm at today. So I'm definitely looking forward to spending some time with our dear friend Melissa for her birthday tonight at the Mexican restaurant (laughs) and having a margarita.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and there's also, I drove by there this morning because I was getting some bread and uh, there's a jazz festival happening right now. So we'll probably hear some live music while we're down there. Yes. This is honestly like, I, you know, just to kind of, tie up what you're saying and tie up this podcast. Um, I think the best thing that anyone can do is talk about what is actually happening. We live in a society right now where people don't really like to talk about the truth. They like to talk about what they want the truth to be. Or at least I have that experience where I find that people don't really want to look at the stuff that Makes them feel uncomfortable. And from my experience, the people that don't want to look at the things that make them uncomfortable, they don't, they know that it's hitting their stuff inside that they don't want to look at and it's triggering them. And that's not the healthy thing either. Um, so I'm a firm believer in speaking your truth, like you were talking about earlier, speaking your truth, regardless of what you think people might say to you or regardless of the other person's response to you because if you don't speak your truth if you don't talk about the things that are concerning you to friends and family or or neighbors and you don't speak these words they get held up in your body right i mean we all know about yeah. your you know your chakras and I don't know what any of everybody listening is into, but your fifth chakra is a thing. It's, it's around your voice. It's around speaking your truth. It's around how you show up in the world. And when that gets closed down and stiffened, all sorts of things happen like overwhelm and emotional reactivity and just not being authentic to yourself. So I think that, you know, us talking about these things that are concerning, Is a step in creating more awareness, which is exactly what Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month is for. These things people don't really want to hear. When they do, they're shocked. They may, it may hit something inside of them where they're like, oh, this makes me feel weird. But that's the whole point. That's the whole point of having different voices and different opinions out there and different stances on things and being able to get to a place where you can listen to different opinions and listen to different perspectives for me and i know probably for you it's the same thing that is the whole point of being people like i mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have it any other way like I, I that's what i think the point of spinal cord injury awareness month is is having like you said open discussions and just making room for everybody's experience and putting the triggers aside and looking at what is triggering inside of you in order to make change right
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And on that note, so we have partnered up with our friends at NeuroMotion here in Vancouver, British Columbia for a very generous date night giveaway of $500. So once again, we are huge believers in celebrate celebrating life, love relationships with your partners and Especially sort of echoing the tone of this podcast, we just want to say that going out for a date night and reconnecting with your partner after everything goes sideways is a huge proponent and sort of the angle of Wags of SCI to begin with. So we're so grateful for this incredible giveaway. So please, please make sure to submit your stories for caregiver awareness month, which will be in November. Um, Send in your stories to Wags of SCI at gmail.com and you will be eligible to win the $500 giveaway date night giveaway for the month of November. So we will be collecting those stories for the remainder of SCI Awareness Month as well as October. And uh, we can't wait to hear and see and read everything you guys want to share for Caregiver Awareness Month. Things that you would like the public to know that possibly they don't already know. So please submit those, get those in. And once again, thank you to Neuromotion for sponsoring this incredible date night giveaway.
1: Yes. And if you want any more information on the contest and what you have to do to enter, go to wagsofsci.com and click on the blog and it's our latest blog entry. Also make sure you sign up for our mailing list that pops up on our website because we do send information about contests and giveaways that we're doing before we make announcements anywhere else to our mailing list. So make sure you sign up with your email to that if you want to be, um, reminded about all of these really fun things. Cause I was thinking, Elena, you know, you talked about some things that were frustrating you this episode. And so did I, and how cool would it have been if like, just put yourself in, in a different situation where someone would have been like, here, here's $500, go take a night or two with your partner and go relax and just forget about your problems and take a deep breath at a nice resort somewhere or go out for a really really extravagant dinner, super extravagant dinner where you don't have to pay it for a dime. Like I'm sorry, but those kind of things are so important for the psyche, yeah. for the mental health, for the physical health. Like like yeah. these kind of things like people underestimate how important this kind of stuff is so 100% yeah well and I mean this is the truth of it is like you and I are still
0: even us we would die to have somebody give something like this to us like it was just your anniversary your wedding anniversary um, a couple days ago right was it yesterday Uh, it was on Saturday on Saturday and it's my 10 year dating anniversary on Thursday so even like thinking about like that'd be so cool like if somebody supported some like that for us even now six years out eight years out Mm -hmm. that this is like incredible so again you guys this is your chance hop on it it's a great giveaway and uh, you deserve it right your relationships deserve it so make sure you check that out submit your stories we're dying to read them so yeah yeah once again thank you so much for joining us for this episode's podcast of the wags of sei podcast So um, until next time, love each other, be kind to each other, stay safe, and submit your stories. (laughs) Cheers.